everyone. This is Arlen. This is Monday, April 6, 2020. Today I'm going to replay a very helpful and informative webinar that my fund, Backstage Capital, and I put on last Friday for the public. First, we put one on in the morning for internally for our portfolio companies of more than 100 companies to have. And then later in the afternoon, we opened it up to, to a very brand new public uh, viewing and actually, and it was live, and actually things even changed within those hours that we had to update. And so since Friday, now it's Monday, depending on when you listen to this, things are evolving by the hour, as you know, with the stimulus package, with IDLE, with PPP, etc., unemployment, etc., Please check the latest information before you move ahead. Listen to this episode with a grain of salt. There is a ton of information in it. A lot of it is still relevant. Some of it has uh, changed. There is an accompanying deck uh, that you can look at very thorough at itsaboutdamntime.com slash resources. This deck was put together by Revel by Martin and Gina, the people that you'll hear talking in this in this uh, webinar. And it is updated to the very most recent information as of today. And we will try to keep it as updated as possible. But check it out. Have a listen. It's packed full of information. And when you're listening to it, I would, su- I would suggest go to the website right now. Go to itsaboutdamntime.com slash resources. Open up the deck as you listen to this if you can on your laptop, your phone, your desktop, and it'll make things even more clear. And if they say something on the, uh, on the audio that's a little different than what you see on the page, it's because it's been updated since. All right, everybody, just trying to do the best we can to keep everybody updated. Um, I'm certainly no expert, but I wanted to go to an expert, so I'm taking you to Revel CPA, and I think Martin and Gina with their cool names. (laughs) Uh, If you're a Martin fan, you know what I'm talking about. And I thank you for your information, your expertise, and your thoughtfulness in this time. All right, everybody. Thanks for coming in. Just getting started here. We will get started right away. Looks like people are filing in. I love it, I love it. Good to see you. All right, so I'm Arlen. Uh, I am the founder and managing partner of Backstage Capital. Uh, You have Christy Pitts, who's on my uh, business partners on as well at, at Backstage. And Martin is going to take us through uh, some really, really helpful information right now. I'm going to throw it over to him for most of this, I'd say, call it 40 minutes or so, and then we'll take it to Q&A if there is some, um, if there are questions. If you have a question, uh, take it into the q and I'm going to disable the chat it, right now. I think it's already disabled. So take it to the Q&A section at the bottom. And um, we will definitely get to some of those questions. And I'll wave down Martin if we're getting a little too close to the time because we have to. We have a pretty uh, tight time here. Thanks for joining. Making sure everybody's coming in. Everybody's getting in. Getting comfortable. Um, while you wait, 
<laughs> I just interviewed Mark Cuban and he told me always be selling. So here we go. <laughs> All right. Thanks everybody for being here. I'm going to throw it over to Martin. The floor is yours. All right. Thank you. And just a quick check in before we get started. If Gina is okay, Gina is joining us. Yay. Can you hear us okay? Yay. Okay. Great. You're on mute, Gina. Hi. Miracle of miracles. We, we worked it all out. Okay. So thank you everybody for tuning in and joining us today at the end of uh, well, what might be close to the end of your day and what might be close to the end of a long week, uh, probably a long couple weeks for most folks, to be honest. Uh, and our goal here today is just to share some information and uh, have some conversation, answer questions if we can, based on some of what we're seeing, hearing, what we've read about uh, the, the recent legislation, all of the programs that are out there available for you, and some of the relief efforts that are taking place around uh, dealing with this, this disaster. So we're presenting this myself uh, and Gina Robertson, uh, and we're, we're putting this on in collaboration with folks from Backstage Capital. And uh, I'm going to turn it over to Gina, actually, just to get us started in looking at what we're going to talk about today. Oh, wait, not yet. Just kidding. Before we do that, a little about us. So Rebel CPA, very quickly, is an accounting firm. Uh, I'm now running my second practice here. I've been in this business for about 15 years. And our practice is focused on working with clients mainly in creative and entertainment spaces. So we have clients in those industries primarily. And from day one, we were built to be a geographically distributed team. So we've been fortunate in the way of um, not having to pivot too hard in this new reality that most of us are living in. Uh, because we we are a virtual practice and we interact on Zoom. Uh, we've been doing it for quite a while now. So we've been, we've been feeling fortunate in that regard. And uh, you all too should feel very fortunate in that this presentation is being delivered to you tonight by the second most popular Martin and Gina in history. All right, now I'm gonna hand it over to Gina to tell us what we're gonna be talking about today. All right, hi everyone. Forgive my background noise. I am trying to do two events at once. Um, what we're gonna do is dive into um, what the government is doing to um, provide relief in the midst of this unprecedented time in our nation's history. So I'm gonna talk a little bit about the Families First Coronavirus Response Act, and then we're gonna hand it back to Martin so he can um, delve into the Coronavirus Aid, Relief and Economic Security Act, better known as the CARES Act, and also go on to some general things that we think you all should know and have some time for some Q&A. Um, so just so you know, in recent times, um, a lot of the things that people are hearing about is the Paycheck Protection Program and the things that we can do um, to keep our employees on payroll, even though um, maybe our businesses, our revenues are suffering during this time. But I'm gonna go back a little bit further to the FFCRA, which has, has some provisions for um, when employees are actually unable to work. So they need to take time off to care for their families, et cetera. Um, there's two big components to this, um, the Paid Sick Leave Act and the Emergency FMLA, which are just expansions of provisions that were already in place previously. Um, and then the two smaller portions of this act are um, what the government has done to stabilize unemployment as well as provide for testing. 
Um, so one thing that the government has done is made testing free for everyone. Now, although you as the employer are not providing the testing, this is just a good piece of information to share with your teams that although there may be some barriers to testing due to the lack of availability, um, the government wanted to take away money being a barrier. So it is free for everyone. And um, if someone's telling them they have to pay, let them know. <laughs> or if they maybe they don't have health coverage or things of that nature, let them know that testing is free. All right, the next piece of this is what the government has done to stabilize unemployment. So as we know, unemployment is handled on the state level and it's an insurance fund. So what's happening is because we're reaching this unprecedented level of unemployment in our nation's history, those funds are being depleted very quickly. Um, we're at 10 million in unemployment right now and the numbers are growing higher every day. Um, so what the government's done is um, push this funding back into the states to replenish these amounts and also um, providing incentives for states to waive the waiting period and um, make it easier for people to access this unemployment funding. All right, and going into the bigger pieces of the act, um, sick leave provisions have been expanded. Um, so now there's two weeks of paid sick leave minimum and a minimum of two thirds of the employee's pay. Now that is capped at $511 per day um, for 10 days or a maximum of $5,110 per employee. What's gonna happen is that your business will um, front flow these costs and then the government at the end of the payroll quarter will essentially reimburse that money to you in the form of a payroll tax credit. Now, here's where it gets good. Um, previously, sick leave had some very narrow um, requirements for what qualified as sick leave, but this has been expanded. So the person can be sick themselves. They can be caring for a sick family member. They can be home because their kids are home because of school closures. Maybe they can't find childcare um, or under any other type of government or medical quarantine. Now, if these expanded sick leave laws do present a hardship for your business, you can request an exemption from these expanded laws. Um, one key thing to note is that this is for times when you are not able to work or your employees are not able to work. So there shouldn't be any remote working going on or any type of part-time working going on. And like I said, um, the eligibility has expanded. So not only what you can be home for, but also those who are self-employed, those who are freelancers are now able to participate in paid sick leave where previously they were excluded from that. And those calculations are coming. All right, the next big piece of this is that FMLA has been expanded. So now there are 12 weeks of covered FMLA leave. Two of those are unpaid. Now this is an area though where we can get a little double dipping going on, dipping going on and your employees can take two weeks of paid sick leave during those two weeks of paid unpaid FMLA leave. And then of course the next 10 are paid. Um, it has to be at least two thirds of the employee's pay capped at a max of $200 per day 
and $10,000 max per employee. And like the expanded sick leave provisions, um, this is something that you as the employer would front load and then the um, government would reimburse this to you in the form of a tax credit at the end of the quarter. And also similarly to um, the expanded sick leave provisions, if your company is under 50 employees and this would prevent, um, present a hardship for you, um, you can go ahead and apply for a hardship exemption as well. Um, if you're self-employed, freelancer, these provisions apply to you. Um, so go ahead and take advantage of that. Um, you definitely want to consult with your payroll um, department or your HR department and make sure that as people are taking advantage of these, they can um, counsel you and guide you so that um, they're catering to the specific nuances of your company and your team. But outside of that, take advantage of um, what the government's doing to um, keep your business afloat during this time and keep your employees taken care of. And I am going to pass it off to Martin and bid you all adieu. And I hope this information was helpful for you. Thank you, Gina. Thanks so much. Um, yeah, y'all, Gina shared a little of her time tonight while she had some, some other great commitments that she's looking forward to. So I appreciate you taking the time to do that and share this information. We're going to keep things rolling uh, because there's so much good stuff to share here. So we're going to jump into the CARES Act, which was the more recent piece of legislation that passed. It's, it's the much larger uh, component of the aid packages that are out there. And it has a lot of facets to it. Um, I read personally the 800 plus page bill uh, the other day, um, and we're not even gonna cover all of it, but I did wanna share with you not only the parts that affect business owners and self-employed folks, but I wanted to share a couple things that are just personal uh, benefits to individuals out there because they also apply to you as a business owner. Um, and you may also learn some information that'd be worth sharing with your team, your people, uh, along the way. So we're going to start out with really fast, quick bullets on a few of the more minor, I'll call it kind of miscellaneous provisions that are part of the CARES Act. And the first one is relating to student loans. So student loan payments, federal payments only, not ones that are direct to the bank, but federal student loans are deferred until September 30th. And separate from that, employers are able to pay for student loan payments for their employees up to $5,250 per employee, and that'll be excluded from the employee's income. Normally, that's a taxable benefit to the employee, but in this case, they're going to exclude that. The next one, charitable contributions. So ordinarily, folks are only able to write off a charitable contribution if you itemize your deductions. In other words, if they're higher than the standard deduction. But in order to encourage charitable giving and you know, recognize the folks who are making efforts to do that this year, they're giving up to $300 of quote unquote above the line deduction, which means that it's, uh, it's deductible for anyone. Employer social security tax. So social security tax is combined with two pieces. It's a combination of the amount that gets withheld from an employee's pay, and then that second part that gets matched by an employer. And in this case, the employer piece of social security taxes, they are allowing you to delay over the rest of this year and 
to instead of paying them as you go throughout this year to pay half of the 2020 employer social security tax January 1st of next year. And then the balance of it, the other half of it, December 31st of next year. So they're pushing those two payments out half at the beginning of next year, half at the end of next year. Net operating losses. Uh, for any business individual that has an, you know, potentially Schedule C NOL that you're carrying uh, or any corporation that's got an NOL on their books, a net operating loss, if they have losses arising in 2018, 2019, 2020, rather than only being able to carry it back two years, you can now take that loss and offset it up to five years back. So if in the last five years you had any years where you did have to pay tax based on a profit, uh, you'll be able to roll that NOL backwards off, file an amended return and claim a refund. We also had an increase in the net interest deduction. So uh, the cap on the amount of interest deductible for corporations has come up from 30% of EBITDA to 50%. Uh, so that's you know in recognition of the fact that a lot of companies are going to have to borrow up right now and they want to help uh, at least make that interest deductible. Also, any existing SBA borrowers. So if you currently have an SBA loan uh, and you go to the SBA folks that you're working with currently, they will be able to fast track you in what they call an, an express bridge loan of up to $25,000. And they're doing that because they already have the relationship with you, they know your business, and they're allowing this to, uh, to be fast tracked separate from the other programs that we were talking about here. Carrying on, uh, this is kind of a personal uh, bullet point, but uh, mortgages, so any federally backed mortgage, if it's an FHA loan, uh, they are allowing a six month forbearance on all FHA mortgages if you ask for it. So this is one of those provisions that it's not gonna happen necessarily automatically, but if you reach out to your bank and ask them to do this for you, they are supposed to uh, initiate a six month forbearance. Just know that while that's happening, interest will accrue Nothing extra or any penalties related to it, but um, interest will be accrued and then uh, I would imagine tacked on to the back of that loan. So it's not a balloon payment, it's not due all at once, uh, but they're going to just keep the interest rolling and then uh, have you continue on with your regular payments once the six months are up. There's also a provision that puts a four month freeze on any evictions and any late fees related for renters. So now this is a renter provision. Uh, so for the next four months or the, the four months following the signing of the bill, uh, there's a freeze on evictions and, uh, and putting out late fees for late rent. The HSA and FSA rules are also expanding now to allow for more things to be deductible under those programs, most notably including telemedicine. So if you have expenses related to seeing a doctor uh, via a Zoom call or some kind of video, that is now gonna be allowed as a deduction, uh, an expense that you can pay for out of those accounts. Also over-the-counter medicines uh, are also gonna be allowed. The explanation of the over-the-counter part is, is very lengthy and complicated, but just know that if you reach out to your uh, provider, uh, or I would imagine they'll probably be publishing some guidance pretty quickly for you, uh, they're going to share with you what the process is for either getting reimbursements for or paying for those things directly from your HSA or FSA funds. All right, another provision is the, the loans that were uh, initiated, literally hundreds of billions of dollars that were set aside to be funded uh, into governments 
both states and city and county level governments. Um, and then a, a separate pools of money that were created as industry specific loan pools to help certain uh, industries like defense, uh, cargo, shipping, and in the airline industries. Um, so that's another major provision of this bill. And uh, last but not least, aviation ta excise tax has been lifted. Alcohol excise tax has been lifted, not for everybody, but if you uh, chose to you know, start making hand sanitizer with your alcohol instead, because that's important. Okay, next, we're gonna jump into the four medium size provisions, medium big stuff. Uh, and there's some good things in here too. So let's, let's, let's spend a little time on each of these. So first up, retirement. As far as retirement accounts go, uh, there is ordinarily a 10% penalty when you take the money out of your retirement account before reaching retirement age. In this case, they're allowing up to $100,000 to be withdrawn from your retirement plans and waiving that 10% penalty. So there's no early withdrawal penalty up to $100,000 this year. Now, uh, if your plan is a traditional 401k or traditional uh, IRA, meaning the money that you put in there, it gets uh, shielded from taxation in the, in the year that it, you've earned it. If it's that kind of plan, what happens is as you take that distribution, it would trigger income tax. They're waiving the penalty, the extra penalty, but you never got taxed on that money, so it triggers regular income tax. However, they are spreading that tax out over a three-year period. So instead of paying for it all right away, you can spread it out over three years. And they're doing that in part because they want to give you a chance to pay it back in. So to the extent that you pay it back over those three years, you will never have to pay that tax ultimately on the money that you contribute back in. So you can almost kind of borrow from yourself in a way. And that applies to both IRAs and 401ks. Next up, this is, um, in my opinion, the most underrated and most important, uh, most overlooked, I'd say, piece of this whole bill that I didn't really pay much attention to or hear about until I read it myself. But there's a provision in there for any existing SBA 7A loan holder. So if you currently have an SBA loan for your business, all existing 7A loan holders can request a six-month payment of principal, interest, and fees on your loan to be paid for you not a forbearance, they are actually gonna pay your loan bill for you every month for six months for any SBA loan. Now, there's only $17 billion reserved for that provision as of right now. I know that sounds like a lot of money, but if, if any of these things have any kind of urgency around money running out, this may be one that I would look at even more than some of the other programs. And I know there's a lot of uh, concern and urgency over whether you know, programs like the Paycheck Protection Plan or the IDLE loans, are, are they going to run out of money? And do I have to rush to get my applications in? And all I'll say is, if you have the time to put these applications in, to pick up the phone and, and call your bank or send the email to the person that, that wrote your 7A loan and try to move, the field, move down the field a little bit with these things, that's great. And if you don't have the time I can't promise anything. Nobody knows what the future is gonna hold, but I would imagine that if they look at the response to putting these provisions out there and they see how much people need these programs and these plans, that I could only imagine a new bill would come down the pipeline soon that would further extend 
some of these programs that have been so or that are so helpful for folks. So 7A loans, if you have a loan, make sure you reach out. I know some of our clients that have these loans have already heard from the lenders saying that they're they're, they're basically almost automatically putting them in for this. Um, so that's one to just follow up on, make sure you get the help there. As far as unemployment goes, they've added $600 a week on top of your otherwise state calculated benefit. So every state has their own math for how they figure out benefits. Um, but the federal government is adding $600 a week on that. And it covers, it's also extending from whenever your benefits would otherwise run out based on the state rules, it will add 13 extra weeks of coverage up to December 31st. So if that 13 weeks pushes you past December 31st, it will cut off there. They're also incentivizing states to skip the waiting week that usually uh, is between the date of separation and the date that you're eligible. There's usually a one week waiting period. The billion dollars that they're doling out to replace uh, these funds that Gina mentioned earlier, they are going to use an incentive on that uh, to try to convince states to get rid of that uh, waiting week. So some, a lot of states are doing that already. They also put in funds to boost uh, the budgets for staffing because they know they're gonna be overrun with uh, fielding requests and dealing with folks. And they also added some funds for education. So to help um, people become aware of what's available to them and also for job retraining and that kind of help too. And then last, but almost most importantly, I would say, they've also expanded coverage for unemployment to self-employed folks, independent contractors. So if you're a freelancer, you receive 1099 income. Historically, unemployment has been unavailable to you as, as you're not a W-2 worker. But in this case, they have expanded the coverage to include those folks. I'll just point out though, that because this is an intent behind the law, but the state has to catch up to it and understand what does this mean? How do we even take in applicants in this way? How do we calculate what their wage base should be, their earnings, that kind of thing? States are kind of in a scramble right now to figure that out. And so you have to be on top of your specific state agency and the provisions they're setting out, the process that they lay out for you. Um, and all of those, those things are gonna be evolving and coming into form really soon here. And uh, last but not least on this page, we have the rebate checks, which are, you know, that's the $1,200 a person plus $500 per child uh, check and or ACH. They're going to do a lot of ACH delivery of this, I've heard, uh, to all individuals, all taxpayers. Um, the $500 per child, so to, to count as a child here for this, for this particular rebate, uh, they're using the child tax credit rules, which mean even if you have a, let's say a college age dependent, they, they would not be eligible for the child tax credit, which means they don't apply for this $500 uh, add to your rebate check. Not a lot of folks know this, <clears throat> but the goal for this program is actually to base this on your 2020 income, which none of us know today, what our 2020 income will be. Instead, they're using our 2018 or 19 tax returns as a proxy for the 2020 income. And un, in an uncharacteristic move, if you happen to qualify based on your numbers for 2018 or 19, 
And then when 2020 rounds out, you somehow make it through this year uh, with higher income that no longer qualifies you. They are not asking folks to pay that money back. On the flip side, however, if you don't qualify for this or don't in full qualify for these payments, uh, because 2018 or 19, you had higher incomes and then maybe it fell in 2020. Uh, if you don't get anything or if you don't get the full rebate now, they will be, uh, there'll be a process for adding that into your 2020 tax return when that happens, because then we'll, we'll obviously know what your income was. And these payments get phased out starting at 75K to completely phased out by 99K for an individual and between 150 and 198 for a joint filer with these are with no children. Okay, that gets us to the big three. So the payroll tax credit, the economic injury disaster loan and paycheck protection program. And I'm gonna to try to do these fairly quick. We'll see, how we go. we'll see how we can go so we can save some time for questions. Okay, so payroll tax credit. This one, unlike the other two, has a very clear barrier uh, or I'll say a, a clear measure of the damage that you need to be able to demonstrate. So in order to qualify for the payroll tax credit, your Q1 of 2020 has to be down 50% from Q1 of the prior year. So that's path A, or you have to be mandated to shut to have shut down your business by the government. That doesn't mean uh, I was forced to stay in my house. Um, it doesn't mean, you know, people were quarantined and so business fell off and I chose to close the door. It means you'd have to be in an industry that literally the government said you, you can't be in business anymore. I think, you know, restaurants come to mind, those kinds of things. Um, and you would have actually had to have shut down your business. Okay. If you qualify for this, the wages that you pay between March 13th and December 31st of this year, you will receive a 50% credit of the payroll taxes that you pay. So you get 50% of that back on the taxes that you paid up to 10K in wages per quarter per employee as a refundable tax credit. The only thing to bear in mind here is that if you use any of these wages for calculations in the payroll tax credit, they cannot also be used as wages in the Paycheck Protection Program that we're gonna talk about in a second. So you can, in, a, in theory, potentially be involved in both of these, but they can't double count. And I believe that for most folks, this will not pay off as much for them as it would letting those wages count for the, the PPP. We'll, we'll explain why in a second. The next big piece of this is the EIDL, Economic Injury Disaster Loan Program that is administered directly by the SBA. This has now been in its third uh, implementation of application process. Please know that if you applied to either of the first two ways of doing this, either the very first online process, or if you applied when you had to download all the paperwork and upload it to Box, they actually want you to reapply in this new third way that they're doing it. Um, but if you go to the SBA website right now and find the economic injury disaster loan application process, you can do that yourself right now. And it, it, honestly, it takes very little information. The, there are only maybe one or two numbers that they're really asking you about your business uh, in terms of what you did last year, revenues, direct costs, cost of goods, that kind of thing. But most of the information that they're going to ask you, you will know off the top of your head. And in putting in this application, you're going to be considered for loans up to $2 million, 2.75% interest for nonprofits, 375 for profits, 
with up to 30 year payment terms. So a long road of stretching out these payments that we're gonna make the monthly payment pretty manageable. Uh, there are also no early repayment penalties, which is a really important thing to think about. So if you, if you borrow this money, just in case, at this really low interest rate, and you have a long repayment window, so the monthly payments are small, if we get to 10, 12 months from now and you realize you don't need the cash, you can always pay it back, no penalty. There's no loan application fee. There's no origination fees. There's no early repayment penalty. So it literally only costs you whatever little bit of interest you paid over that period of time to borrow up a little bit of a cash cushion that is gonna help you ride out who knows what's coming down the road this year. So uh, they are asking for collateral of uh, any loan over 25K. Um, and like we said, we apply for this directly with the SBA. Last but not least, when you do this application, one of the very last steps in the process is they'll ask you to check a box. Do you want to be considered for a $10,000 advance of funds from the, the Economic Injury Disaster Fund? If you check that box and you are approved to get this $10,000 advance, they have not specified how they're figuring out who gets it and who doesn't. But what they have said is for those who qualify and get that $10,000, they uh, are going to let you keep the money even if later down the road you end up not qualifying for the loan itself or you choose to just walk away, you, you don't like the terms, um, you will be able to still keep that $10,000. So as far as I'm concerned, if you have a business, a nonprofit, if you are a self-employed person, a freelancer, whatever the case is, put your application in for 15 minutes of your time, you could wind up with $10,000 uh, in your bank that they are not even counting as taxable income. So it's pretty huge. And then uh, last of these big pieces, we have the PPP, the Paycheck Protection Program. This is the, the big one. So loans in this case are up to $10 million with a two-year term and 1% interest. The main thing here is they're trying to give you a loan that they're calling a loan, but in reality, as long as we meet some criteria, it's likely that a lot of this will be forgiven. Uh, and you won't, you won't have to pay it back. The way they're calculating this amount, unlike the EIDL, so the idle process, you're not able to say how much you want, right? You're gonna give them information about your business, they tell you how much they want, they think you qualify for. In this case, the PPP has a specified formula, it's two and a half times your average monthly payroll expenses, which yes, includes contractors, up to, how a hundred K a year annualized amount for any of your wages or contractors. We're going to talk, I want to really break down that payroll expenses formula in just a second, but so two and a half, imagine they're going to take two and a half times your payroll. Okay. If in the first two months after getting the loan, you spend all of that on payroll, uh, mortgage interest, rent, utilities, or even health insurance for your people, right? If you spend it on that much. So if you think two and a half times my people cost, right? If I've kept up my people cost and I still have the same amount, they are gonna cover two months of that for you and even a piece of your rent, utilities and other expenses. Just know, and so when that gets forgiven, they write that off the amount that you owe back and that loan forgiveness in a, uncharacteristic, unprecedented kind of move, that loan forgiveness is not even gonna be considered income. So they are literally paying those bills for you 
with no tax consequence to you at all. That's, that's a huge advantage. This uh, forgivable amount though is reduced by the amounts that you it go over a 25% or higher reduction in your overall compensation. So if you have made significant cuts to your payroll compensation overall scheme recently, like if you have just recently started doing that, um, that could take down, not entirely, but by in a percentage and kind of a pro rata way, the amount that gets forgiven. When in doubt, please apply. Just apply, apply, apply for all of these programs. Uh, they do, they are trying to work with and cover more folks than ever before, especially freelancers, self-employed, Schedule C filers, you know, they've historically been forgotten in these kinds of programs and there was specific intent that they wanted to make sure you were covered under these bills. So please try. I know it's, I hear so much frustration from my clients and they, they think they know where and the banker says, yes, call me. And then they get there and they say, no, we're not ready yet. I know there's a lot of things up in the air. It's very fluid. The banks themselves are trying to wrestle with the laws and regulations and guidance about this all changing. It's been, it's been evolving every day almost. Um, but hang tight, hang with it. There will be help. And even if you don't get in right away, don't give up. There's going to be a lot of opportunities for you to continue pushing through here. A last few just general notes before we uh, jump into the Q&A. Tax filing extensions are available now, not only federally, but to many states also. So on the last uh, slide here, and, and we'll find a way to, to potentially share these slides, but uh, we're on our blog. So it's a link to our blog where the very first post we have that's at the top is a list of resources, including a list of all the states and what they're doing relative to tax filing deadlines. So many of them have adopted the same rule that the IRS has, which is they're pushing everything back from April 15th to July 15th. Also know that there are people who work at the SCORE and SBA offices around you locally in your community who are available to help. They're probably fielding a lot of requests right now, but they are there and they're trying to make themselves available. They're hosting webinars. They're doing that kind of thing. So if you're not currently on their email lists, it might be a good time to do that. Try to get some more information to you, you know, coming into your inbox as soon as it's available. Also know that banks are really trying to work with customers. You know, that some of these things, you have to pick up the phone and ask for it if you want help with the mortgage, if you want help with your 7A loan. But they're trying to do that. And if you reach out, you're going to be able to find more help than you think. Many other industry national, statewide, and city programs as well. So on that same blog post I mentioned before, we tried to catalog as many of these programs as we could. Some of them are state-specific, some of them are regional, but take a look, and if, and if nothing else, get out there and search for additional programs near you or based on your industry that you operate in. There's a lot of stuff out there. And last but not least, when we talked about payroll expenses, I said that I was gonna try to clarify some of this. So based on how payroll expenses is defined in these laws themselves and this is specifically in the cares act so this is how it pertains to the idle program to the ppp what they mean when they say payroll expenses is w-2 wages up to 100k per person health plan expenses for the employer retirement plan expenses for the employer 
state taxes that are corresponding to somebody's wage. So mainly that's going to be state unemployment and a couple of miscellaneous things. Contractor pay. So if you're paying a 1099 contractor, self-employed individual, that would work. Uh, again, up to 100K. And your self-employed earnings, again, up to 100K. So if you are the owner of an S-Corp, right, it's your W-2 wages, but not your draws. That's not a self-employed form of earning. If you're a partner in a partnership, if you're a general partner, then generally all business profit, your, your share of it is going to be considered self-employed earnings. Whatever they use to calculate the amount of self-employment tax you have for the year, if you're a Schedule C filer, it's the bottom line of your Schedule C, partners in a partnership, uh, those kinds of things, you're gonna take up to 100K a year and add that in here. So any business, your payroll expenses, when they ask, what is my average? They want the total of all of these things, right, for the year, and then you divide by 12. Um, okay, so I think that covers most of what we wanted to talk about so far. Uh, and we look like we're in a pretty good shape to, to take some questions. So yeah. um, I'll turn it over to Arlen to let us know what we got in the, in the pipeline. Sure. Thank you so much, Martin. That was amazing. Once again, this is the second time you're doing this for us today, and I really appreciate that. The first was for Backstage Founders, uh, the second time uh, so generously is publicly. We do have plenty of questions, and I think it, you left a lot of good time for us to get to them because they are great questions. So I will start with Stacy Book. Uh, she says, does the PPP benefit apply to payroll that includes employees based outside of the United States? Uh, it, if the entity that you're paying from is a U.S. entity, then yes. Uh, once you get into controlled groups where you, if you, for example, use a foreign payroll service, a PEO, that kind of thing to handle the, the payments over there, then those would not apply. But if you are a, uh, a US-based entity paying people, then uh, yes, it would still apply for folks who are abroad. I also wanna say before we get into the rest of the questions, uh, if someone is, has a company uh, and wants your services, do you have any space? Because uh, you are my accountant, I should mention that. You are the accountant for my, a couple of my companies. Uh, do you still have space? And if so, how do they reach you to just learn about that? Yeah, so uh, down in the bottom right corner there, you've got our name, Revel CPA. You can check out our website, revelcpa.com. We are right now at a point where we are uh, taking names on a wait list, uh, which you can sign up for right on the site. So come check us out, get to know a little about us. Uh, and if it feels like something you're interested in down the road, we, you know, you have a a way, a mechanism there to just put your name in the list and we'll get back in touch with you soon. Great. And just so you know, there's no, we're not getting any affiliates or anything like that. It's, it's purely to be helpful. Uh, Emily wants to know, if you are a startup that is pre-revenue, what resources are available? Yeah, um, I've heard, I've heard I'm hearing this question quite a bit. Um, and it is, it, it is tricky uh, because especially for example, the Paycheck Protection Program, it's going to be based on, you need, you don't need necessarily a full 12 months of revenue from 2019, but they need, I believe, at least six. Um, I'm seeing a couple different numbers, but they, they're letting you use some months, but they, you can't have no pay in last year and expect to do the PPP. Um, 
the the idol is based we don't really know yet what it's based on all i know is the two numbers financially that they ask you for are the total revenues of the business and then your direct costs which lead me to think it's probably some formula that involves those two numbers being pre-revenue i would say um you know, those programs in particular may not be available to you, but I, again, I would reach out to local score offices, SBA offices, um, and also industry associations that are, that are actively raising money. You could, you could easily qualify for a citywide program, that kind of thing uh, as well. So keep an eye out for those broader topics. Thanks, Martin. Uh, Austin Vance wants to know, are paid sick requirements additional or minimums? For example, say we offer one week of sick now, do we need to offer one or two weeks additional? So that's a great question. And it's, um, they are setting the new minimum bar. So if you already were going to do up, you know, up to that, up, up to, let's say half of it, as the question stated, um, you just need to do the extra one. Um, now, in order to qualify for the rebate, right, because the idea here is that the government is trying to help pay for some of that sick time or family leave time to you, um, it would have to have taken place now, more recently. So in other words, if someone took their first week of sick pay a long time ago, and they're now only taking that next one, then that, that first one would not qualify for that assistance. Um, but you, you would do the other, the other one week. Okay. Um, so we want to make sure there are people that have come in since you started talking. A lot of people came through. And so Nicole wants to know just kind of very uh, foundationally, how do you apply for the, for the idol, for the EIDL? Yeah, that's a great question. The, um, SBA website. So if you go to sba.gov, uh, at the very top of it, there's a big red bar. Talk, it has links for you for coronavirus relief uh, aid. And uh, the site is, <laughs> their website changes every, not even every day, every few hours. Um, and they're constantly trying to reorganize things and make it clear. I think it's pretty clear right now. They have the main programs laid out. The Paycheck Protection Program is there, and then you will see a big block with information for Economic Injury Disaster Loan, EIDL. You click that, you follow it through for a couple of clicks, and you will get to the, it's an online application. Um, and like I said, it, the first page, you're getting information about the business, um, and the only real numbers they need there are how many employees do you have, and total revenues, total direct costs. On the second page, they're gonna ask for information about you as the owner. They will need information for any greater than 20% owner. So make sure you have that handy. Um, but if you're the sole owner, they just need the info for you personally, your, your name, address, that kind of thing. Uh, and then the third page is just some certifications. You're attesting that um, you are not uh, late on child support payments, that you're not involved in an illegal activity, et cetera. Uh, and if all those, pass through, then, then you're done. So the application is fairly uh, manageable now. They've, they've pretty much cut it down to be a lower barrier to entry for folks. A couple of people are asking, if I applied, it's an X date, someone is saying March 29th, someone else says March 21st, and I did not get a notice to reapply, do I need to reapply? Um, and the, kind of the same question from both. Sure. 
if you, up, so here's the, here's when you would need to reapply. If you submitted the application in the first online process, uh, in other words, if literally by page one of what you see right now, it doesn't look familiar, you did it in the first online process. If you did it then, as I put several through at that point, you probably also lived through a massively frustrating experience where every time you clicked to load a page, it, you had a 50-50 shot that it would actually come up. If you did that and you put it through, congratulations, and unfortunately you have to reapply. Also, if you did it in the second process where they wanted you to download all the paperwork, fill it out by hand, scan it, and then upload it to this box thing, um, you also have to reapply. If you just haven't heard, if you did the most recent, you know, most modern version of this process, and you haven't heard back, I wouldn't fret yet. I think so far, most of what I've heard from folks is that they are, they're sending out some early no's faster than they are sending out any yeses. Uh, and I've only heard of people uh, really getting a, a no so far. I don't know of anybody, and we, we submitted our first ones um, literally the first day or two after it opened up, uh, and we have not heard any positive responses back yet. So hang tight, but reapply for sure if you did it in one of the first two processes. Amy wants to know, and this is a great question that we've been asked a few, a few times, can we apply to, and I asked the question earlier, can we apply to both e, EIDL, EIDL, and the PPP loans, the, the, the uh, payroll loans for the same yeah. company? And if so, should we? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, should you, it, that gets into, you know, personal questions about how much debt you wanna take on, but I'll, I'll just share with you my general thoughts of, for whatever it's worth. And I, I, I have no major expertise. I just, just that's what I do is uh, try to help folks navigate this. So I would say, and what I've been advising most of my clients is to take advantage of as many of these programs as you can. The basic answer to, can you apply for both? Yes, you absolutely can. There are separate application processes, separate decisions. You may not qualify for one and get the other. Um, you may get both. And if you got both, you know, think about it this way. The PPP is really designed to inject some cash into your company. And if you use it to pay for your rent or mortgage and your people, you know, to keep payroll happening, the loan is forgiven. It's done. It's no income consequence to you. They have basically covered your payroll and bills for a couple months. Um, as far as the idle goes, I see that as a very low cost way to build up a little cushion. And if anything, I think a lot of us realized this year that we maybe didn't have the emergency response preparedness plan that, that maybe we should, and we're all gonna be rethinking what that looks like in the future. Uh, but let's recognize that two months ago, none of us could have imagined the place we're sitting in right now. And we really don't know what things are going to look like in September or October, November, who knows? So why not borrow yourself a little bit of a cushion if you can uh, and really consider applying for all of these. You can't even apply. You can, as the same one person, apply for multiple uh, entities. If you own multiple entities, um, as long as they are separate, distinct legal businesses and 
they are not, uh, for example, like a string of LLCs that are all properties that, that you've, you've separated for that reason. If they are real separate businesses, you are allowed to apply separately. And, or even if you, I know some folks who are both uh, self-employed, so they have some, let's say, 1099 Schedule C activity, and they also own their own business, you're allowed to apply in both of those scenarios. Uh, someone wanted to know uh, which which of these is the best option for founders of startups since many of us defer paying ourselves to be sure we can pay our employees as well as keep our operating expenses uh, low, I think is what they meant. So it's hard to prove what our actual salary is. Yeah. Um, so it's so common and uh you know owners find whatever way there is to uh to make things work especially early on um and just know that while uh your pay let's say so your owner comp may not factor in to the ppp calculation for example the pay that you had for the rest of your team does and it will um, as well as payments to independent contractors. If you were, you know, if you had some 1099 folks working for you during the course of last year, their comp counts also. Uh, so while we can't necessarily inflate the amount of, you know, the, the month, average monthly comp over last year to include anything from your, your compensation, all of that other stuff will apply. And for what it's worth, the, the calculations about maintaining compensation now, don't, they're not viewed on a person by person basis. So they're looking at the overall total. So for example, in a business where let's say you did try to, you, you know, you brought up a staff around you, you were paying them before. Now, because of the way circumstances have laid out for your business, some of them are no longer working with you, but you're stepping up and you're having to hold down a lot more of it. And you're now, for example, drawing the salary your compensation is replacing theirs in the overall calculation, right? So you're not necessarily losing anything for that change. Yeah, it's great. Um, and this is kind of a follow-up from another person with the but previous, if you are the sole owner, but do not pay yourself, are you considered an employee of your company? If, um, if you do not receive a W-2, you would have a hard time uh, making a case for that. The way that they've defined it, a partner in a partnership, they are counting. A self-employed individual who files Schedule C, they are counting. But if you own an S-Corp or a C-Corp and you do not draw any wages, then by the way I read the, the text, they would not count you as an employee. Then again, just remember, that's uh, more of a data point then you know they're trying to collect information about how many jobs they're preserving that's why they're asking that question the number of employees is not going to preclude you necessarily from applying so you could still put in for the ppp or the idle program uh, even if you're not yourself counted as an employee liza wants to know are nonprofits eligible for any of this yeah that's a really good question and i found i had heard personally um conflicting information about this. I had to ask at a, a, a live SBA webinar to get clarity. And the answer is yes, you should, you should be applying uh, even as a nonprofit organization. For example, in the idle um, 
loan process in the idle application process, the first option is generally going to apply to most small businesses. There's another option below it that's going to apply to uh, to sole proprietors, Schedule C, freelancers, etc. And then below that a bit, you, there's a separate box for you to select that says I am a 501c3 uh, nonprofit. Um, so if you are a 501c3 charitable organization, tax exempt, that kind of thing, yes. If you are other forms of nonprofit entities, uh, like uh, associations, clubs, those kinds of things, it, you may not, but it, it's very clear they list out which uh, groups are and are not eligible. We're gonna answer a couple more questions and then we're gonna um, have Martin go and, and kind of, I know it's been a long day, it has to have been. A lot of people, we have some amazing questions here, we're not gonna get to them all, but a lot of people are asking, can we have access to these slides? I know you mentioned earlier that we're gonna try to figure out a way. Can we have access to the slides and this recording? Uh, for my part, yes, if, if, as long as it's okay with Martin, we can put them up on yeah. both itsaboutdamntime.com and backstagecapital.com shortly after this. How about you, Martin? Do you think that's a good idea? Yeah, or? That's great. Okay. I'd love to do that, yeah. Okay, great. And we'll link to your to your blog posts and everything. We'll get all that situated. Okay, we'll ask a couple more questions. Um, These, by the way, here's some of the resources that we threw together. So you've got the links to the actual full text of these acts in case you want to go yourself, dig up and, and get the specific uh, language around something. Um, just, you know, a lot of people, the, the folks that are working at the bank, at your HR department, they, they're all, we're all learning and trying to figure out how to navigate this. So sometimes it does take actually sitting down and, and doing a little homework, look up the, the it's, it's, it's readable. You can, you can get through there. Um, we also have a link to directly to the idle application here. We also have a link to not the actual PPP application necessarily, because like we said, that loan is being serviced by banks directly. So you're going to apply directly with your bank. Um, but the SBA has put this stuff out, which is um, a package that's meant to help you prepare all your information ahead of time. So if you want to work ahead, be ready to go as soon as your bank opens the door for this, um, you want to use this link, get your papers together. There's also a link to that blog post we talked about, and then a PDF that we put together uh, to help owners think about, you know, if I want to, if I'm feeling a little bit shaky, like the ground sliding out beneath me, um, what are some really practical steps you can take that have sprung out of conversations we've been having with our clients, five steps you can take to kind of set, to chart a path forward again. And um, what we can do yeah, also we'll is, is email this out to all of the participants who you had to register to see this or hear this. So we will email this directly to you. I think that's a great, a great way to do it. Let's close it out by asking this question that I've seen a couple of times throughout the, the webinar. Uh, and I, I've have it, had it too. A lot of banks are not taking on that PPP loan. They're saying, nope, can't do it, or it's too early, or we don't understand it, or we just don't want to take it on. How, A, well, I guess the, the big question is, how does one, if their bank is not letting them do it, where do they go for this type of thing? How do they apply? Okay. Uh, it's a it's an important question without a really easy answer, but I'll share some of what I've come across so far. Um, it's true there are banks who have said the government is asking us to move too fast on this, and at the same time, 
changing the rules all the time. So we don't really know how to put this thing together for you. So either it's, it's maybe too risky for us to do it, or we just literally can't figure out what they want us to do. Um, and that's happening at some, at some banks, both big and small. Um, when it comes to banks that are saying that they will do this, or that they'll, they'll serve the PPP loans, most of the time they're requiring that you have a pre-existing relationship. Some banks are requiring that you have it. Some banks are saying we are gonna prioritize our pre-existing relationships with customers. So I know, for example, Bank of America requires you to not only have an existing checking account, but also they need you to have an existing uh, a lending relationship of some kind, be it a loan, a line of credit, a credit card, something. Bank of America is requiring both. Chase, on the other hand, is requiring just a checking relationship. Um, some other banks are saying, hey, we'll, you can get in line, but just know that we're going to serve our existing customers first. So the SBA used to have, until earlier this afternoon, a part on their website where you could plug in a zip code and it would spit out the banks near you, banks and lending institutions near you, where they are working with folks. For some reason, that's gone now. It, it may come back, we can hope. Um, but the best place to start is with the bank that you currently have a relationship with. If they're not doing it, uh, keep checking back to that SBA site to get information about uh, places. Hopefully they'll get that finder back up and you'll be able to search for places near you. I'm seeing a lot of uh, like community lending organizations, sometimes the smaller credit unions. Um, uh, they're the ones who are taking on folks who they maybe haven't had an existing relationship with yet. Um, and just know that this is all so early and there's so many people trying to get in line. The, the need and the demand is so great. Uh, that everyone's trying to do the best they can to serve the need and it's going to be an, an evolving process over time. So as we get more information, we'll be sharing that out with folks. I'm sure Arlen will be as well uh, on her platforms and, um, you know, keep an eye out, keep, keep looking for those, those channels and just know that if it's not your bank, there are other options, but it may take a while because uh, banks are, are trying to find a way to prioritize. Thank you so much, Martin and Gina. Earlier, Gina was, uh, was you know, piped in from awesome place and really appreciate that. Thank you for all the information. This is free and, and just uh, accessible. And this is the day that we wanted to hear all of this because it's so much to deal with. You read 800 or so pages to give us that information. Really appreciate it. If, you, if you're here, you signed up, we will get this to you. It may not be today because we're going into the weekend, but we'll get it to you as soon as we can. We'll also have this recording. I'll put this up on, uh, on your first million, the podcast, uh, and you can check it there. We'll get this online so that you won't uh, have missed out if you came in uh, later than the start. Again, want to thank Martin, want to thank Christy for, for helping and um, try to get some rest this weekend, Martin. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to, thank you. Hey, all really everybody, you know, take care of yourselves. The, the first step in that five-step process I was talking about is, um, like just let's recognize that this is this has a real toll and we we all sometimes try to be superheroes for our team for our people for whatever and 
let yourself have a real experience of this and don't, don't take it out on yourself too hard. Um, so maybe, maybe we all need a little rest this yeah. weekend. Yeah. Exactly. Thanks for throwing this together too, Arlen. Appreciate it. No problem at all. Thanks everybody. We'll, we'll see you very right. soon. Hey, it's Arlen. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope it was informative for you. Remember, you can go to itsaboutdamntime.com slash resources and get the actual deck that was created for the webinar. You can download it, you can forward it, you can use it for whatever you need. It is the most up-to-date that we have as of Monday, April 6th, and uh, we hope that it's helpful to you. Thank you again to Revel, CPA, Martin, and Gina for making this happen. really quickly it's Arlen again hey so the first part of this when Gina is talking you'll notice there's music in the background and you may be wondering why Gina was actually at her church stepping to the side they were doing a uh, remote recording with just a few people at her church so that the entire church could stay at home and she was doing it right in the middle of this event because she was helping us out on a Friday night so that's why you'll hear this extra music in the background while she is talking for the first five, ten minutes or so. Okay, see you later.